Welcome to Ship Talk, a podcast where I have casual conversations with thought leaders, professionals, and business owners about things like mindset, communication, self-awareness, and personal growth. I'm your host, Trevor Shipman. I'm so grateful for your attention today, and I hope you get some value from the episode. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the show. What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for coming back to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm super excited to bring on uh, this guy, Bradley Flowers. Um, He is a marketer and insurance agent, the co-host of the Insurance Guy podcast, and founder of Portal Insurance. Uh, Bradley, say what's up to everybody. What's up, everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so... Um, I want to start with just come some like uh, some some primer questions and uh, kind of get to know you a little bit and yeah. um, let you tell a little bit about yourself to the audience. So, yeah. what kind of parents did you have growing up? Uh, that's a great first question, man. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, I have a, a very supportive parents. Um, they're the, probably the two best parents in the world. Um, had a very uh, uh, optimistic glass half full mother. Um, I could call her right now with like the worst news in the world, and she would be like, "Well, I'm sure they're wrong," you know. Uh, I would, uh, you know, like 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 a you know, let's say it was a bad medical diagnosis. Oh, I'm sure if you got a second opinion, everything would be good. She's realistic, but like just the most optimistic person on the face mm-hmm. of this planet. It's where I get all my positivity from for sure. Um, and my dad was, uh, or is the, the hardest worker I know. Um, he's run a successful contracting business for over 30 years, uh, which, you know, longevity in that business, if you're not one of the big, big guys can be kind of difficult sometimes. And, you know, obviously as an insurance agent, you know, we see kind of contractors come and go. That's, that's one sector of the commercial business that everybody's kind of like, Ooh, you know? So, but, uh, he was, man, he was the, the heart, he's the hardest worker I know and, and certainly instilled that work ethic, you know, uh, very, very young age. Um, so, you know, we didn't, I didn't grow up privileged or rich or anything like that. Uh, obviously we had our struggles, but at the same time, you know, they made sure that we were provided for everything we needed and probably more than what we needed. So have you always been in Alabama? Yep. Alabama my whole life, man. This right now is the furthest I've ever lived from home, which was, which is about an hour, but, okay. uh, I love to travel. And, uh, so I, I, you know, um, I love seeing the world. So I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that, you know, being from a small town like you are, you, you see these folks that they've literally never left. Like mm. you know, my parents, uh, I got married in Costa Rica. We did a, the whole destination thing. Uh, that was the first time my parents had been on a plane in their entire life. Um, wow. I'm certainly not that. So <laughs> uh, That's fantastic. Uh, so do you still own your blankie from when you were a kid? I don't, but I bet my mom has it. I would be shocked if she didn't have it. Like that's the answer I get most times. Yeah. Um, so what? What was your first toy that you remember? Uh, it was a. Um, you know how Batman had the little uh, the the rope that would come out of his belt and he could repel with mm-hmm. it. So I had a toy Batman that was like top of the line freaking Batman. 
uh, and he had like a retractable uh, mm -hmm. rope that came out of his, his belt. And so you could like, you could like lock it and have him hanging and hitting the button and it would pull him up. Yep. And um, I took it to church. I had it like two days mm. and I took it to church and uh, another kid stole it. And I know <sighs> the kid stole it and I still remember his name. And I want it back. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the first toy I can remember. Um, I've had this, uh, I, I have this un, uh, unlucky streak where if I get something that I really, really want, I either lose it or break it almost immediately. I did that with a pair. I had a, I wanted a pair of uh, the Ray-Ban Wayfarers, mm -hmm. but I wanted the matte black ones and I bought some and I remember I found them at a really good deal and I had them two days and I sat on them and broke them. So, Story of my life. Plastic ones, you sit on those, they're done. Whereas like the metal sunglasses, you can kind of bend them back. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so that was probably the first toy I remember. Yeah, I was a huge Batman fan uh, as a kid too. So what was the first job that you ever had? So there's a couple different classifications. Like the, so like the first like real like first job I had was working for my dad's company. Um, and which that, and it's not, you know, working for daddy's company or mm -hmm. anything like that, man. I was, my dad was hard on me when I worked for him. And I remember like I would do stuff and I was 16 at the time and I would work summers um, and I was, you know, the low man on the totem pole. I was the guy that carried all the, you know, tools and equipment up to where we were working at. And we were working on beach houses at the time. We were doing the electrical work for beach houses. And I mean, sometimes these would be four flights of stairs walking up with this stuff. But uh, my dad's, my dad's employees, when I would screw something up, they would take the fall for it because he was so hard on me. So that was my first like, like job. But I mean, a lot of people, probably wouldn't count that because that was my dad. Um, so the first real job that I had that my dad had nothing to do with was I was a cart guy at a golf course. Um, hmm. Summer after senior year, the day after I graduated high school, um, for that summer I worked at a golf course, just kind of running the like the carts and the driving range and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so you went to the University of Southern Alabama, correct? Correct. Okay. So after stalking your LinkedIn profile, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a gap there in between when you left college and uh, you started working for Alpha. So what did you do in that time in between college and uh, working for Alpha? I worked for another insurance company that I didn't want to give them publicity on my LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> if you want to that's, know the honest answer, that's, yes. what it, that's why there's a gap there. I was like, that's I'm fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went, uh, so I was, so I was in college. I went to Faulkner state, which is now coastal Alabama mm -hmm. college. I played golf there. I majored in eligibility. Uh, any other student athletes are probably rolling in their chair right now. Basically that means I took the classes I had to take so I could be eligible to play. And so I majored in eligibility, uh, then transferred to South, um, didn't play golf at South, but uh, I was going for education, specifically special education, um, had a couple bad experiences where I didn't think that that was what I wanted to do. So I transferred and I wanted to do special ed cause I had an aunt that was special needs. And so that's kind of where my heart was mm. transferred to, uh, just regular education. I was going to be a teacher and was specifically going to be a teacher because I could have summers off to play golf. <laughs> and, um, 
now I never play golf by the way, mm. but, uh, I was going to be a teacher and, uh, my heart kind of wasn't in it now that I didn't have, you know, the whole special needs side of it. Mm. And, um, I started working for Liberty national life insurance company, uh, basically selling life insurance door to door, not really, but very close to that. Uh, eat what you kill commission only high commission rates, expensive product, high commission rates. So if you're a decent salesperson, you can make a lot of money. Um, and, uh, I made a, for a 21 year old, I made a bunch of money for, uh, for a 21 year old who lived at home and had no bills. I thought I was rich. Um, but I'd made, I think I'd made like 40 grand or something like that. And I was sitting in a cl sitting in class. Um, I don't think I've ever told this story on a podcast. I was sitting in a class to get my education degree, and you know, starting salary in Alabama for a teacher is twenty eight grand. Mm. I just made forty in six months. I looked to my left. I looked to my right, and I was like, "Why am I here?" And <laughs> I walked out. I literally got up and walked out in the middle of class, and have not been back in a classroom since. Mm. Um, unless it is to, 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 uh, to the students. Right. Uh, my biggest regret in life is either going to college to begin with or not finishing. I wish I would have done one or the other. Yeah. Um, and I kind of lean towards not going, uh, but everything happens for a reason, you know, so it, it kind of worked out. Um, after Liberty National, I went to work for another PNC company. Um, and then I went to work at Alpha. Interesting. So what did you learn um, from Alpha that you apply now to, you know, portal insurance? Uh, I mean, Alpha was great because it was kind of, it was kind of an agency in a box, so to speak. I was kind of in the role of an agency principal, but wasn't necessarily, didn't, you know, I wasn't going to go bankrupt if I didn't make it. I wasn't, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I didn't have to pay the payroll or anything like that. Um, so I kind of learned how to run an agency and then after, you know, two years, I learned, you know, I started, you know, trying to make changes and, and I got involved with, you know, Alpha was really where I discovered that I kind of had a knack for marketing. So, um, you know, but man, I, I learned a lot, you know, and then that it's what ended up pushing me to not to talk bad about them at all, because I don't mean it that way, but it's what pushed me to, uh, you know, the reason I started Portal was because I felt like that insurance and specifically insurance agencies um it's the most non-customer centric way to buy insurance mm -hmm. possible and for those of you listening that don't know what i mean by that um you know the reason that you buy stuff on amazon nine times out of ten without price checking elsewhere is because it's so easy to buy and i'm not saying insurance should be that easy to buy but it should be easy to buy and so essentially i wanted to set out to create the most customer centric <laughs> Um, independent agency we were going to start with the customer and work our way backwards and the, and kind of some of my frustrations that not only in at alpha but also with other insurance companies that I knew of was like man we are making this so difficult like if a customer is buying a house and they have to buy insurance on that house they don't want to come to your office and sign a wet signature and talk talk about life insurance right they just want you to handle it so that was kind of, you know, recognizing, you know, empathizing with our customers and realizing that we are not the hero. We are just a step in the process mm -hmm. to get them where they need to get. So, mm -hmm. um, but, but that's probably the biggest thing, but man, I learned, I learned a lot there, honestly. Um, yeah. so, so, um, as a business owner, um, in a relatively rural area, 
um, you kind of understand the struggles of uh, what it might take um, to overcome um, your marketing efforts. How, yep. how much time and money did you allocate to marketing and production surrounding portal when you first started and how did that scale over time? Not enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, so we, uh, you know, man, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the pitfalls of, of being in a rural area, man, I'm convinced that you put me in a rural area. I'll win every time. I would rather be in a rural area than from a marketing standpoint, I would rather be in a rural area than a, uh, than a big city. Um, now obviously I don't want to go like so rural that I have to drive 45 minutes to, to buy clothes, but mm -hmm. you know I mean? Kind of in that middle ground, which is kind of where I am. I mean, I'm a small town, 14,000 people. We've got mobiles or big metropolitan here, but I grew up in Atmore, Alabama, which that was, you know, it, to, to go to the doctor was an all day trip. You know, you got an mm -hmm. hour there, you get two hours at the doctor, an hour back. Um, so, but, uh, you know, we haven't done as good of a job marketing portal in the beginning. We've only been open a year. Uh, we haven't done as good a job as far as the portal brand goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something we're, we're focusing on. And, um, we, uh, we kind of any hard dollars that we were putting towards marketing the first year we devoted to things that were going to give us more of an immediate return, Facebook leads, things like that. Um, because we had to get business on the books, you know, it's kind of like the whole, like, uh, the airplane, put your mask on before you help somebody else. You know, before right. we, we, even though branding portal is the long-term play and that's why there's no carrier plaques here. And we have clients that some of them probably think that portals, the carrier, um, that's the long-term plan in the short term. We had to make sure we were getting revenue on the books first. Mm -hmm. you know? So what I do and what I tell people is whatever amount of money you have, let's say it's $2,000 a month. Um, if you have $2,000 a month to devote towards marketing, um, I'm going to put 1500 of it, uh, towards something I know is going to generate a return. And I'm going to put the other 500 towards testing different things. Mm -hmm. And then what's going to happen is if you're testing those different things, eventually it doesn't work at all. And you can reallocate those money somewhere else. Or if it starts working, you can start moving some of that budget over to it and you're doing something that nobody else is doing. Mm. So that's kind of our strategy. You know, um, it's kind of a, it's a, it's essentially a, you know, a 12, 12 and a half percent rule basically. So 12 and a half percent of my budget is towards testing new things and the mm. rest of it, you know, um, I think as my dad used to always say, dance with the girl you brought to the dance. In other words, don't abandon, don't abandon what got you to where you are. Yep. But you still need to, you still need to maybe see, okay, you know, are we moving with the times? Are we following, you know, we following where the trend's going and things like that. And so for us, a big portion of our, um, a big portion of our, of our money is going towards YouTube ads. Now we started testing that mm. it started working. So I'm doing a little bit more of that now. So what are the, some of the things that you thought about before you started portal as far as marketing, you know, what were those things that when you were writing that business plan, what did marketing look like for you? As far as what I was going to do or, or from a monetary standpoint, as far as what you were going to do, how you were going to reach your audience. 
Honestly, we're doing for the most part, I did write out an official business plan. Um, for the most part, we are doing exactly what I said we were going to do from a marketing standpoint. Um, if anything, we have scaled the, the money we're putting towards it back a little bit because we're, we're, we're doing a really good job writing business. Um, we did, uh, we, we had a goal in mind uh, to do X amount of new business by our first anniversary. We did it in nine months. Um, so we've, we've almost got more than we can handle right now. So from a marketing standpoint, we, we, uh, we're, we're pretty much doing exactly what we needed. We just, we're not spending as much money because we don't necessarily have to, which is a blessing. Um, the one thing in my business plan that I am doing a lot differently is, um, I didn't, and, and I think every agent would tell you this, um, I didn't intend on having to hire as many people. You know, we've had, we've had a little bit of turnover, had some folks had to let go and some folks had to hire. Um, so we are kind of one of my main focuses on a day-to-day -day basis is recruiting. Um, but not only recruiting, but strategically recruiting. In other words, you know, how can we provide as much value to this hire because I think an I think an employer has to provide more value, and I think an employee has to provide more value than the money that they're getting paid. So I think you have those two dynamics you have to manage, and so it's it's all about just you know how do we offer enough value at Portal to make people want to come work here. Mm -hmm. So do you guys? Some one thing that that I see a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to um, marketing is the attention um, in a rural market like mine and, and possibly yours, and I know in Mississippi where, where I was before, um, the attention is not as much uh, on different platforms, especially digital platforms, um, as it is in broadcast and print like billboards, mm -hmm. TV, radio. Do you, um, do you implement any of that kind of marketing with Portal? So... Are you saying the attention is not there from the consumer standpoint or from the advertiser standpoint? What I get told in my market, because I'm relatively new as a marketer um, and, and still relatively new in, in Cartersville in my area. I've only been here for three years. So I'm still um, understanding the audience, understanding the market, understanding where the attention is. What right. I get told is that the numbers are saying that commercials, radio, and print, and billboards work. That's where people's yeah. attention is. Um, uh, I follow Gary Vee, uh, as I know you do, and I, I see the value in, in digital marketing. So yeah. one thing that I struggle with is uh, helping people to understand where it's going to go and it's just an undeniable fact that it's going to go to, you know, digital platforms, but that's yeah. not to discredit the value of, it doesn't matter where it's going to go, yeah. uh, wherever the attention actually is. So I would, I would disagree. Uh, the, the person that's telling you or telling the world that the attention is not on these digital platforms in rural, rural areas from a consumer standpoint is mm -hmm. either a, wrong be scared or see trying to protect something mm -hmm. in other words they may be uh an agent who does some billboards likes the ego 
boost they get from having a bunch of billboards and is too scared to dip their toes in the digital frontier, so to speak, mm -hmm. or the digital strategies, or it's someone that maybe has a vested interest in the, you know, the old way staying there. Um, and so I, and it, you, you asked this at a perfect time and, and I'm going to, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting what I just said, but bear with me a second. So, uh, we, uh, my wife it runs an insurance agency also completely separate from mine. Uh, she wrote a big, uh, commercial account, uh, this week, super proud of her. And, uh, it, it involved seven restaurants all across the state of Alabama. Um, mm -hmm. and just to clarify, I'm in a small town. I'm not in a necessarily rural area. I grew up in gotcha. rural, and I market to rural areas, but anyway, uh, these restaurants were in rural areas. Um, in fact, we didn't eat lunch until two o'clock because that was our next stop that had food was that, you know, so we, uh, we drove, we had to take photos. Let me back up. We had to take photos of those restaurants. So we, Sunday we went on a little road trip, basically made a big loop across the state of Alabama mm -hmm. or Southeast Alabama. And, uh, we had to take pictures of all of these. It was an eight hour round trip. Um, driving through only rural areas. Um, I saw so many billboards for insurance agents. It was driving me up the wall and I knew a lot of them. And I'm like, why in the world? And like, and I, and I, and I know that it, it, it must work to a degree, you know, uh, or, or they wouldn't do it so to speak, or maybe they just don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a billboard, a radio, a TV, certainly to a degree, people are going to be a little bit behind the times from a consumer standpoint in a rural area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to have things that work. You know, a billboard, if I bought a billboard in Mobile, nobody's going to notice that there's a new billboard. But if I'm buying it down Highway 31 in Enterprise, Alabama, where there's nothing else on the road, you're going to notice that, right? So I get that it's probably going to work a little bit better, but man, I think people in rural areas are on Facebook and Instagram and all of that stuff, even way more than it is here, man. My dad lives in a rural area. Um, his Wi-Fi is not strong enough to stream Netflix. So you know what he does at night? He watches TV and he's on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And guess what happens when the commercial comes on the TV? He looks down at Facebook and I think it's just, yes, they're a little behind, but I think it's, I think it's just a matter of scare. You know, I, I literally, man, literally, I, I'm like, it's so weird that we did this episode because I didn't know what we were really going to talk about. Like I was literally driving through Enterprise, Alabama, looking at all these billboards. And I was thinking I would freaking kill it here with some Facebook ads. I'd be <laughs> the only local insurance agent they would see. I mean, and I think too, you know, man, if I was in, if I was in, what town are you in? Cartersville, Georgia. If I was in Cartersville, Georgia, I would freaking start the Carterville, Georgia business podcast or the Carter, Cartersville, Georgia, uh, you know, high school football team, pot, like something like that. You can literally become the news source for these towns. Literally, like like Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan podcast, for those of you that don't know, listen, the Joe Rogan podcast is probably the number one podcast in the world. He gets billions of downloads. Um, he is our generation's David Letterman. Nobody just, nobody knows it yet. <laughs> That's right. And, 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 and he started it himself. He's got nobody backing him. 
He pays for it himself. Obviously, he's got some sponsors now. But literally, you could be the most famous person in this rural town just for all you really – all you have to do is set up a tripod with an iPhone and interview people. Yep. Go to the high school football game, interview the player of the week, things like that. Um, I think there's an enormous advantage opportunity in these rural areas because your competition's scared to do it. Um, sorry for the rant. I feel like I talked forever, but um, that's okay. I think that's I think that's the way to go. You know. Um, so. Yeah, I totally agree. No, it's it's totally fine. I I need I, I personally. Um, need things like that because I need somebody else to say it to confirm that what I know is right what yeah. I believe is right um, and I also need somebody else to say it so, so that other people understand like this is this is a fact it's not just Gary V that's done it over right. the past 25 30 years you know you're doing this you know you became you know this this influencer this um, this an identity, this an celebrity, if you will, in your area by implementing these processes. Dude, I don't say this to thump my own chest. I don't, but but I don't go to a networking event in a fifty mile radius that somebody who does not know me comes up to me and is like, "I love your videos," mm -hmm. or they at least know me. And I don't know that there's a better thing that can happen to an insurance agent than going to a networking event and everybody there already knows who you are and you don't know them. Yep. I totally I mean, agree. It, and so and even on my own personal brand side, I've started doing this uh, 366 challenge where I just make a video every single day. And um, that's what, that's my challenge for this year. And so I'm going to make 366 pieces of content uh, in video form and 98.7% of these. And so far, have just been my face talking to the camera and basically yeah. journaling um, yeah. to the camera. And people recognize my face when yeah. I walk into the coffee mm -hmm. shop, when I walk into a restaurant, like they're like, Hey, are you Trevor? I'm like, yeah, not, yeah, exactly. And not to diminish that at all, but to the average person listening to this right now, that's not creating and putting out content. They're mm -hmm. thinking, Oh my God, 366 people. That is so much, but it's really not. Mm -mm. I mean, it's a, it's a feat. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, that's great. Um, but like, so me and my, I have a videographer that works with me one day a week part time and he and I sat down and, and so I would tell your listeners to, to do this, take your industry. Okay. Um, so I sat down here in my office It may still be, that's no, erased on that whiteboard right there. And, um, I had a guy that does tax prep came to my office. He's like, I, I need help in marketing. I was like, okay. I was like, well, let's take, he's like, I want to create content, but I don't know what to put out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I got on that board and I wrote tax prep and I circled it. And then I did a little line and I said, what are some things within tax prep? And he, he named four or five different things within tax preparation that he could talk mm -hmm. about. And then within each one of those little things, we drew a line and we drew something else. So just from the term tax prep, we had like 30 different things, right? Yep. Well, each one of those 30 different things can be a Facebook post, Instagram post, blog post, LinkedIn. You, you see where I'm going with this? 100%. Me and my videographer sat down and we drew out 52. So you get the 52, 52 weeks. We drew out mm -hmm. 52 things we could talk about around insurance. And from that, doing that same exercise, 
we've got 572 pieces of content and it literally took us, it took us two hours to film it all. Probably going to take one hour per week at the most to distribute it. Mm-hmm. 572 pieces. Like, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it is mind blowing. And you know, when, when, when Gary says that, you know, you should be putting out, as a personal person or a small business should be putting out a hundred pieces of content. It, it sounds intimidating, but when you think of it, like, you know, you make one long form and you cut that into six short forms, it becomes 28 quotes and, you know, 123 different tweets that you yeah. can put out. And I, and um, I, want to clarify, I want to clarify what Gary means by that. Um, he and I touched on this the last time mm-hmm. I saw him, but we didn't go super in depth in it because uh, that was really before he started really hammering mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, they picked, they put the deck out recently, yep. um, 67 pieces in a day or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. What he's trying to say and what people don't realize that what, what the haters of Gary or, or other talking heads don't realize is Gary speaks in extremes. Yep. That's the only way he can get your attention. If he was being middle of the road, down the road, like I am sometimes, it doesn't get a whole lot of attention, right? Right. So what he's, there's no person on the face of this planet that it would hurt to put out just a little bit more content. That's the answer to a lot of stuff, right? That's the way you break through the noise. Is yep. there such thing as too much? Absolutely. I think if I went out there right now and tried to put out as much as he does, it would probably hurt more than it would help because I don't have the quality factor to back it up. I don't have a team, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's the point is putting that out there. And by putting out this deck, by him putting out 300 pieces a day, he is showing people, Hey, look, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's trying to say by that. He's not saying that John Smith state farm agent in Cartersville, Georgia should put out 300 pieces about insurance. What he's saying is, though, you need to do more. And that's what right. he's trying to say, um, I think. That's the way I take it. And you have to, like, Andy Frisella took a shot at him, like, well, you don't have a team of 30 people. No, but if you start small and you do it the right way, eventually one day it may be successful enough that you can hire a team of 30 people. So that's, that's right. my, my view on that. But absolutely, you know, just from those 52 things we were able to take. And, um, you know, I think – and that's why I love the – the Cartersville, Georgia insurance spotlight or business spotlight because Mm -hmm. you sit down with that business owner, you talk to them, right? You interview them. All right. You strip the audio from that. There's your podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. You got the video, you got Facebook long form, you got YouTube long form, you got Instagram long form, you got LinkedIn long form. Okay. That's where you put it out to the masses. Then you take the best one to two minute clips from that. You're going to have two or three for every, every video. Um, that's your short form content that either promotes the long form or is a teaser to the long form. Then you get somebody, if you don't like writing, you get somebody to write a blog post on what you talked about and you just, and that's, that's how it becomes a thing of its own. And I guarantee you, if somebody does that, they're going to be, they will be the guy or the girl in their town. That's the way you do it. I think, and like I said before, I think there's more opportunity in a small town. You're going to have to get Mm -hmm. over the first few three weeks of people thinking you're off your rocker. Mm -hmm. The only thing in a small town, be like, what is this idiot doing? But once you get past that and you realize that, hey, look, you know what? They're going to say that regardless. I would rather be laughed at and be successful 
than be cool and be average like everybody else. So, yeah. So how have you navigated building um, your brand with limited resources and a small team? Man, that's a, that's a, that's a long question. Our long <laughs> answer to that question, you know, um, so I'm not a creative person up until the point where I hired Grant, my videographer, um, I was doing everything myself, literally everything short of, short of maybe getting a graphic designer, paying a graphic designer 50 bucks to do something that I couldn't do. Um, I'm not a creative person. I know how to, I know how to work zero Adobe products. Um, Adobe is what all the pros use. I'm not, a, I don't know how to use Photoshop. Everything I've done from a graphic design point up until the point where I hired Grant. Um, and if, the, if those of you want to look at some of that, it, if you go to my Instagram or Facebook or wherever, in, any of the platforms go to about, uh, July of last year. That's when I hired him, I think. Um, Everything before that was done exclusively by me. Um, everything I did, created, was done on some kind of app that everybody listening to this can buy and learn in five minutes. Um, I'm not a creative person at all. I take inspiration from other people. I look at one of Gary's posts or an Andy Frisella post or, some, or Ricky Carruth, his buddy of mine that's building a big brand in real estate not too far from me. I look at their format, what works. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to copy it by any means, but it kind of I use that as inspiration. Mm -hmm. And so what I would do, again, I'm not creative. What I would do is I would force myself to be creative. And what I, mm -hmm. I found that I was most creative in the morning, less distractions. So I'd wake up um, four or five o'clock in the morning. And that was my creative time. And that's where I would build my post for the day. Sometimes they were things that I'd created months back that I'm either reusing or re, like redoing. Sometimes they were brand new things. Um, so did a lot of that. Um, that's a good way to, to kind of get started. The other is document versus create, as we both have heard Gary say. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, just spew Gary out here, but so much he talks about is things that I was doing before I ever heard of him. Um, he just does a good way of putting it together, but yeah. you know, documenting, if there's something you think you can film that you could possibly turn into something, um, do it. I've got a camera running right now. Um, in case that I say something in, in this interview that I can turn into a piece of content. Um, so document what's going on and, but that document doesn't necessarily all only mean, uh, filming yourself. It could also be, Hey, as soon as we get off this meeting, I'm going to a chamber of commerce board meeting with Sarah Lane chamber. Um, I could take a picture of, of myself with the other board members, a selfie and say, Hey, we're just serving you guys here at Sarah Lane chamber, making decisions for the future. So happy to be a part of this. So glad you guys trust me whatever, right? Um, go into an, I've literally gone to networking events before that were buzzing that were like, you know, you, every town has this event, you know, every a few events a year that are kind of, everybody's kind of talking about whatever. And uh, one time I was like super busy and I, there was one here in Mobile and I couldn't go to it. Um, but I was in the area. I swung in, took a selfie and left. Posted, Hey, had a great time at whatever for calls event, right? Um, that is also documenting, you know, if nothing else, just, just take your audience throughout your day, because what happens is they're going to follow along. People like to see the behind the scenes. That's right. Um, 
The next part of that is, is be authentic. That is, that's, you know, not only was I doing these things, was I creating, but I was also being authentic. Um, uh, and I've gotten better at it. You know, there's uh, obviously we're all going to slip up. Sometimes you may say something that you don't really believe, but I've gotten better and better and better at being more authentic and more real with the audience. Um, and then, uh, the last thing is, is once you get engagement, uh, engage back, engaging yep. with your audience, reaching out in your community. You know, when we went on that car ride this weekend to look at those restaurants, uh, I drove the first three quarters of the way. Um, my wife was on her phone searching relevant hashtags in our area and just engaging with the audience. Um, you know, reaching you know, social media is just as much reaching out as it is pulling in. You know, everybody wants to post, post, post and comment on my stuff and comment on my stuff, um, which is great, but mm -hmm. you also need to reach out and return that favor. You That's need right. to reach out and engage on other people's posts and, and genuinely engage, genuinely say, hey, that's a beautiful wedding, beautiful dress. Um, your kids are so cute. Hey, I've never thought of that before. Like, not get an insurance quote from me. You know, I always mm -hmm. joke about yeah. the insurance agent. It's like, happy Veterans Day. We're not closed today. You can get a quote, you know. So, right. anyway. So um, all of that being said, especially the part about you not being creative, um, what was it like being recognized by the Wall Street Journal in 2017 as the personality for insurance on Snapchat? It was weird. <laughs> um, you know, what's funny is that was three years ago today. Mm. Oh, really? Uh, four years ago. Today. Yeah, because they, they talked to me and one other guy and I saw where he posted on Snapchat yesterday that it was like the anniversary or whatever hmm. um you know at the time so um the wall street journal thing um i don't take it that seriously like hmm. yeah they the lady did say as far as the wall street journal is concerned you're the number one insurance agent. it wasn't like they did this big article you know i kind of used that in the beginning as a joke and then some of my peers kind of realized that like this is a pretty big freaking deal you know mm -hmm. um so it was really cool you know at that time um, so I was not really, uh, so I had a buddy that was in marketing and, uh, I didn't want to, at that time, I really didn't talk about like how to market yourself like I do now. Mm -hmm. Um, because a, I was still figuring it out and B, I had a buddy that was in marketing and I didn't want to give something, a really good friend, and I didn't want to give something away that he would charge people for. Hmm. Well, he got out of the business several years ago. And so I was like, oh, okay, now I can do keynotes. Like I, I just, I'm very loyal to my friends. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be on stage and tell somebody, you know, how to do uh, Facebook ads when you're going to charge them for, you know, um, even though that may be silly because if nothing else that may send more people to him because people right. still take action. But, uh, at that, that was like the first time I'd ever talked about like what I'm doing behind the scenes and, and had anybody recognize me for anything in terms of like what I was doing business wise. Um, so to answer your question, it was super weird to be honest. <laughs> and so, I recorded it. I recorded the whole thing just like I'm recording this, not for the content as much, but because I was like, you know, 
this may be like the top of the mountain for me in terms of like getting recognized for something, you know, and I don't know where that footage is. I need to find it. So how did, how did you navigate that? Like, how did you become that, you know, Snapchat for some of my listeners that may not know Snapchat is a very young market, you know, kids that don't have cars and homes and aren't worried about life insurance. What what are you putting out? You want to know how we got to that point? Um, so I was using Snapchat and all I was doing was what I was talking about earlier. I was just documenting my day. Hmm. I would, I would, I would literally take people. So how it started alpha was the first major props to them. Um, although I was plugging them along a little bit was one of the first, if not the first major insurance carriers to have a corporate Snapchat account. Hmm. Um, part of that was, is they were going to pick agents and I was the first one pick different agents to do a corporate, a Snapchat takeover of the corporate account. Hmm. So that was the first time I'd really documented my day. Um, and I, and I just took people through my day as an agent and like, Hey, this is what I'm doing now. Hey, this is what I'm doing now. It was so funny. Um, I had a client who, whose insurance was about to lapse. Okay. He was in the hospital and he only, this is one of these guys that only pays cash, no checking account, which I'm sure you be in rural area. You know, those mm-hmm. people, uh, he's in the hospital and he calls me. He's like, my insurance going to lapse today. I don't have any family. I got in my car and I drove to the hospital of all days for that to happen on drove to the hospital, took his payment in the hospital, drove back process it, send receipt, all that good stuff. So a lot of cool things like that happened during that takeover. Um, and I had so many people reach out to me like, holy crap, I didn't know you did all this in a day. Like, I didn't know that, you know, an ins- I thought an insurance agent got to the office at 10, answered emails, drank coffee, went to lunch, and was at the golf course at 3.30. I didn't realize that you worked 16 hours a day. Yeah. And so that's when I, when I got done with that takeover, I started doing that pretty much every day on my own account. I mean, how, how hard is it to be like? Hey, I'm at such and such now about to meet with the client. Hey, I just got out of the meeting with the client. This is what happened. Uh, they had went with another carrier, but we looked at the coverages and it turns out that they were actually cutting a few things. So we're actually able, you, you know what I mean? The whole thing, what we do, you know? So I went through that, that whole deal and, um, and was just documenting my day. And I'll tell you how we got to the point at wall street journal. I don't know that I've ever told this part of the story. Maybe I have, um, so uh, this was early Snapchat and, and any of these guys like the Gary V's or the Grant Cardone's or whoever they are, when they're on these platforms early, it's easier to get to them. Mm. And I sent Gary a message on Snapchat and said, I'm getting all this attention on Snapchat. I feel like I need to tell the world what I'm doing and or something of that nature. And he, he responded immediately and wow. said, reach out to major industry publications and offer to write a blog post for free. And so I did, I reached out to three or four. The first one was lifehealthpro.com, which is now thinkadvisor.com. I wrote an article um, on how I was selling insurance on Snapchat. Um, from that, me documenting my day, I started generating quotes. I literally had hmm. uh, people in their twenties buying life insurance for their parents. Um, and I would hmm. basically make the sale through Snapchat and then go close it in person. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, lifehealthpro.com reached out, wrote an article, wrote a blog post for them. Um, and that's what the wall street journal saw that 
caused them to reach out to me. Um, I put on my Facebook bio, number one insurance agent on Snapchat, um, uh, kind of tongue in cheek, kind of, you know, even though they did say it, uh, my co-host with the insurance guys podcast saw that that's what caused him to add me on Snapchat. That's where we met. He happened to be chance encounter at my office. We did the whole video thing story. We've told forever. We got off the air. He's like, we should do a podcast. We started this podcast year and a half later, I'm sitting in Gary V's office, having him on my podcast. <laughs> That's how it kind of all came back around. So full circle. Yeah. So, so, and, um, and, and you know, what's funny is when I was writing that article, <clears throat> when I was writing that article, a buddy of mine who is very short, short mind, not short minded, uh, very short term thinking, mm -hmm. uh, was like, I wouldn't do that crap unless they were paying me $300. And I'm pretty sure I typed the email out saying, I really wish you guys would pay me $300 to write this. Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Um, and I just deleted it. Like it doesn't feel right. Cause I asked, I, you know, I asked mm -hmm. to do it basically wrote it for free and literally had I sent that email, none of this would have happened. Right. I would not be sitting right here in my agency. Had I not had, I sent that email. So hmm. you need to, you, you overwhelming message for the listeners is you got to think long-term. Obviously you can't short side yourself. Like I said, in the beginning, you know, the first mm -hmm. couple, first year or two for portal, everything's kind of short term in terms of market in terms of marketing, but you always need to be thinking that long-term don't, don't sell out. Don't try to get the quick money. It's the long-term money that you want, you know? hundred percent. And that's an incredible message. Um, I, I love your story, uh, Bradley and how, you just went into the detail of how it came full circle that, you know, it's possible to achieve these things. It's not going to cost you, you know, $25,000. It's not oh. hard. It's not difficult. Yeah. Um, I, I think I mean, that you take, overcoming you your mindset is yeah. the most important. Step. And if you think, if you think, if you take Facebook, the cost of Facebook ads out, which you don't have to do to build a brand, if you take the cost of Facebook ads out, I mean, I've probably spent less than $5,000, honestly, in, in since 2014. Um, and, and yes, it's overcoming. And it's not so much the mindset. It's there is someone that you care about their opinion that's keeping you from doing it. Yep. And you have to identify who and what that is. And that's what you have to overcome. And for me, and you've heard me talk about this, for me, it was there were two or three insurance agents that I respected um, that I, I knew they were, I knew they were going to make fun of me. If I put my face on camera, they were going to make fun of me behind my back. And that bothered me for a little while. And then finally one day it hit me and I was like, they are literally never going to buy insurance from me ever. Why do I care? If anything, yeah. me doing this is making fun of them for not being willing to do it. And yeah. That's kind of what I believe. And I think, and I still have those, you know, when we first started the podcast, I had a, I had a, like an internal thing that I had to get over with that, you know, um, with hiring the videographer, with starting the vlog, you know, why, you know, it, we all have the, you know, there's different stages of that, you know, so. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, my biggest thing has always been, um, it's an internal thing. It's that, uh, that, that voice that was always inside of me that has said to me that, that you're not good enough. You're not worth being on camera. You're not, nobody's going to pay attention. Nobody's going to care. Um, 
And I had to mentally overcome those voices, identify who it was that put those voices in my head and overcome those things. And I talked about this um, on the first episode uh, of this podcast and and I'm dropping all the episodes at the end of this month um, to to get it started. But on the first episode, you know, I kind of told my story of, of, you know, where I've come from and and all of that and just kind of the things that I've had to overcome to pull the trigger on this whole entire project, the videos, the podcasting, everything. Well, and I think too, I mean, you know, all that matter, there's two things that matter at the end of the day. Okay. Um, are you happy? You could post every day. You could hire a $30,000 a year film crew to do a vlog 24 seven. If nobody watches it and you get fulfillment out of it and you like doing it and you enjoy it, Mm-hmm. Um, a, that's all that matters, but also how you got to think about generations. We live in a time, you know, back in the day when my parents recorded something on a JVC camcorder, if we, if I don't have a VCR to play that footage, it's gone. Well, now everything's online. Everything's digital. All of this is being archived, right? How cool is it for your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids to go back and look at it? Okay. Yep. Number one. Um, so I say that, I say that, say all that matters is, are you happy? But from a uh, commercial standpoint, uh, from a business standpoint, um, the, the thing, the, the very close first, the second thing that matters, but it's very close to the first thing is how does the market respond to it? If you don't think it's the right thing, but the market is responding to it as well, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. if you're only doing, putting out this content to, to build your brand and the market's not responding to it, do something else, change, change it up. You know, um, I hope that makes sense. Like if it's not working, change it unless you're just super happy doing it that way. And that's fine. You know, um, we have always maintained with our podcast that all we wanted to do was make an impact. Hmm. And so we didn't care if we had 200 followers, as long as it was the right 200, Here's the thing, dude. If you let's say you hit, you have 200 downloads on your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And 200 people that really enjoy it. If you put 200 people in that room with you right now, it'd be slam full. Like people yep. don't think about like 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 200, like a thousand followers on Instagram. That's a lot of people. Like put those people in one room. That is a ton of people that care about what you have to say. You know, don't take that for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, the intangibility of that, that those digital numbers, um, that gets missed, you know, I've only got 400 and something followers on Instagram and I've only got 450 friends on Facebook. That's 900 people though, that at some level care about one thing that I said, one thing that I might say. Right. Right. And if it's the right 200, like, and that's, that's all that matters. And you know, we, that's what, that's what we've maintained from the podcast is we were going to do it regardless of the numbers. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and what we measure now, what we measure is how many people are reaching out to us. Yeah. Um, how many people are reaching out and saying, man, I heard your show or I heard you on this show. That's what, that's what we measure. I haven't pulled podcast download numbers since maybe the month after we did the podcast with Gary. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't care. I just kind of wanted to see what he did to our numbers mm-hmm. yeah. um, because I don't care. All I know is I get, 
10 to 20 DMs a day from people saying, Hey, I heard this episode. It changed my life. Or, Hey, I heard this episode. It was dumb. That's all that (laughs) to me, that's, that's all that matters. Um, and with you, you know, what's going to happen with you when you drop your podcast is you're going to have agents or other people reach out and pour their heart out to you and tell you these things. And it's a, you're going to feel this a tremendous sense of responsibility to not let them down. And that's what keeps you going. That's how mm-hmm. impact keeps yep. pushing you to the finish line and, and where you can move the football down the field. A hundred percent Bradley. Yep. Um, so as we, we close out, I got one more question for you. Hey, so if you could say, if you could go back to 15 year old Bradley and say one thing to him, what would that one thing be? Uh, by Google. Um, <laughs> it's all going to work out. Yeah. And I think 50 year old Bradley would tell that to 31 year old Bradley. Mm. It's all going to work out. Um, honestly, you know, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Very good stuff. Well, Bradley, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I've been, I've been waiting since, uh, like August of last year to, to have a conversation with you. I know you're a busy guy. Um, so if, uh, if the listeners want to find you anywhere on the internet, uh, where would they find you? The best place to reach me is going to be on Instagram. I'm at bradleyflowers underscore underscore. Um, if any of your followers want to email the guy or message the guy that has at Bradley flowers and ask him to give it, give me the handle, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's Bradley flowers, underscore, underscore. That's the best place to reach me. Um, yeah, I'm Bradley flowers on LinkedIn, uh, Bradley flowers seven on Twitter. Um, yeah, you can reach me anywhere, but that Instagram is probably the best place. So, um, would love for, you know, I, I mean, I hate that it's taken to August, man. We could have, we could have done something, uh, back last year because uh, I'm pretty uh, trying to make as much time for people as I can. So, Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, thanks for the awesome conversation. You know, brother, uh, when I first started at Alpha, uh, I had a, there's a guy here locally that had a, a local business spotlight podcast and I wanted so bad to be on that podcast. I thought it was the mm-hmm. coolest thing in the world to be on a podcast. And, and I went like three years before he asked me to do it. And so now like I almost never turn down a podcast cause I just, I appreciate it so much. So I, I really yeah. appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Bradley. Thanks. Wow. Thank you so much for getting all the way through the show. I'm unbelievably grateful for your attention. You have no idea. I'd love to know what you thought of the show today. So please, please, please leave a review, drop a comment, or just shoot me a DM. If you want to connect, you can find me on just about every social media platform at Uncle Pudge. That's at Uncle P-U-D-G-E. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear from you. Also, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast because I will continue to have more conversations that are just as amazing as this one. See you guys next time.